said to the Lord, like, I want to be counted. Like, I want to be somebody that sees these people. Like, we live in a global world, don't we? We don't live just in the tiny areas around us. We the clothes on our back, the things that we've eaten this morning, we've been impacted, we've experienced the lives of people all over the world. And so I kind of said to the Lord, like, I want to stand up and I want to be counted. I want to be somebody that sees and values these people like you do. And over the years, I um, did more work in researching some of these, these issues. So ladies, if you're wearing makeup, um, the mica that's in the substance that's in your makeup uh, is often produced by children in India. Um, prawns, most of the prawns that are produced today um, are generally from off the coast of Thailand, uh, where people are generally taken from Myanmar and sent out into ships and just literally like have to um, fish for prawns like day in, day out, and they never get taken back to land. Um, the clothes that we're wearing, there was um, a, a kind of a factory uh, in Bangladesh that in 2013 completely collapsed um, because, like it says, I've written, it was 1,134 people uh, were killed in that in that complete collapse of that factory. Um, and in that factory, there were companies like Primark, Matalan, Mango, Accessorize. Uh, there, they produce um, these clothes, and this is one. These are one thousands of God's people, like people that He loves that are literally just in slavery and in captivity just so that we can have cheap clothes like it's just not okay um, and so I was researching some of that um, the cobalt that is in your phones uh, uh, is generally produced by children in the Congo um, and, and so we're so impacted by the sacrifices that these people make every single day of our lives and I guess over over that time I've just really felt challenged to live a life that respects them and honors them and says okay I can't see them they don't live next to me but actually God sees them and I respect them because he respects them um, and so I've gone on a real journey to like work out how to live slave free um, th through some of those things so if you're interested um, please come and chat to me afterwards I've it's been a long journey and I'm definitely not there yet but I would love to talk to you about it um, yeah, so I guess like that was the kind of journey that I went on and, and it, was that, it was about the kind of research side of things really. Um, but I said earlier that I would tell you about a really good friend of mine called Esther. Uh, two years ago, I lived in Ecuador in South America and I, as some of you know, I talked about a lot of home groups, so these people, so generally people know about this. But um, uh, I worked in a home for girls who've been trafficked, and it's called Casa Dalia. Uh, and there, um, in that house, there were five women and their children. And um, there's one lady called, um, I'm going to call her Esther, and she is just an amazing, amazing woman. She's from Colombia and just so brave. Her mum uh, sold her uh, into sex trafficking when she was about five. Um, and she was like um, on the streets in Medellin in Colombia uh, for many, many years until she got rescued and she came to this house in, in Ecuador. And um, uh, there was this one night, basically this, this journey hopefully will show you the hope that Jesus brings, but also how dark this um, human trafficking is. Uh, so one night, um, she'd, had, she'd had some phone calls from her mom in Colombia and was really being really nasty about her and like trying to pull her back into this like dark place. And um, I was the house mom that, that weekend and I went upstairs to go and give her her medication and she, she didn't answer the door and I kept knocking and she didn't answer the door. And we were really close, so there was no reason for her not to. And um, I called Debbie, who was like the director, and I was like, Debbie, like Esther's not answering 
answering, answering the door. And finally, we got the key and we went in. And she was literally like behind the mattress, like in this corner, like shaking and like freaking out. And she was like, the enemy came into my room last night. And he told me that like, you know, like took me back to that place and told me that like I was worth nothing. And that I'm all I am is like just a slave, you know, and I, or like I'm good for nothing, basically. And I have always believed in spiritual warfare. I come from a charismatic church um, at home, but I have never seen spiritual warfare like that before in my life. To know somebody and then to see their eyes like that, just completely disturbed by it. She went back to Colombia um, a, a week later to see her mom and just things went awful and um, it was just horrific. I won't go into the details. And she came back. We finally got her back to Ecuador and, um, and she was not eating and she was just so down. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I, I got this verse for her uh, in Song of Songs 8 that says, this is the Passion Translation, so it might be a little bit different to what you know, but... Um, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore this living consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love my passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God place this fierce unrelenting fire over your entire being rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you everything will be consumed it will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. And I just, I just went up to her and spoke to her and just said, hey, Esther, like, this, like God has this love for you that's burning. Like, there, there, is, there are good plans for you. Like, you are not a slave to these things. And she was just like, oh, whatever, like, wasn't really interested. Anyway, then we were praying, and I said, hey, like, do you want to pray? Um, and she was like, okay, fine. So she prayed. And then after she prayed, I said to her, like, oh, I've got this picture of you, like, running through this field of flowers. Um, I really believe that God's got good things for you and that he wants you to block awesome and to um and to live fully and she was like oh cool whatever and then we were like um just sitting and she was like flicking through the bible that I'd brought up like just playing with it really and this piece of paper fell out of the bible that had that verse that I just gave her song of songs eight seven to eight like this is not a like for God so loved the world like it's quite a specific verse and she was just like she looked at me and she was just like you put that in there. And I was like, I did not put that in there. Like, I didn't put that in there. And she was just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then I get quite excited about things. So I kind of jumped off the bed and I was like jumping around like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And um, as I was jumping around, there were like all these flowers on the floor, like actual flowers, like real genuine flowers on the floor. And um, I was like, what is this? And she looked at me like, what? Like, and she, and she literally bounced up and she was like God loves me like he knows me and she like picked all the flowers up and put them in a vase and put the scripture there and for me it was such a like testament of like how like actually even amidst like all of this incredible darkness and like incredible like the chains are just insane when it comes around this subject it's so painful to watch somebody go through it but actually like in that moment I had nothing I could say to her to make it any better but Jesus did and he showed up and it was just incredible and um, later I found out that um, uh, Phil, who's like the director, 
excuse me, the direct, like one of the directors, he all day had had this picture of Esther like running through these fields of flowers. And there was this tiny little window that was between where we were talking. Like Esther was there and I was here and there was a little window open. And apparently he was trying to throw flowers through the window for like an hour. And honestly, this is like not Phil at all. Like it's really weird. I was like, I can't believe it's very unlike you. And, um, but he just felt like God said, like keep throwing these flowers. And so there were these fresh flowers on the floor because God had told him, um, to yeah to like share um, this passage and so I think th- I think this this passage this story tells us a few things um, I think one of the first things is is it tells us that actually uh, Jesus is the answer right it's the Sunday school uh, thing but actually like in that moment I realized that I had nothing, like nothing, like literally no wisdom, nothing could have ever changed that situation. But Jesus turned it around. I think it also shows us like God's heart for for these people that like actually he loves them. He sees them. And there's like his his heart of love is like a fire, like it burns for them, you know, and like he will go after them. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter what thing is in the way, what barrier, um, what chain is in the way. He will go after them. And I think also it's encouraging for us like it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives today maybe you feel like really hopeless or maybe you know somebody who's in a real hopeless situation like Jesus can show up you know for this girl Esther like that that changed changed things again for her and like she lived in hope so yeah I guess in that really quick I think I'm finished ah so quick 10 minutes um (laughs) in that in that in that kind of quick overview I guess I really wanted to encourage us that actually um that that Sunday school answer Jesus is the answer is actually um simple but it's so profound and it's so encouraging and it brings so much hope and also that that God's heart is furious about these issues and um, actually our hearts need to burn for these issues. Our hearts need to be um, actually like, I want to be somebody that stands up and sees God's people, even if I can't see them physically. So um, yeah, I'm on that journey. But if you would like to talk about that further with me, I would be really happy to chat through it with you. But um, yeah, I hope that's encouraging. Jesus brings hope, even amidst crazy, crazy, crazy dark situations. Amen. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Uh, so, Robin, where are you hiding? You're over there. Great. So, a couple of questions for you. Um, your favourite holiday location, so that we can join you there. It has to be uh, Corfu. That's where we went on honeymoon. Take so. yeah, it has to be Corfu. We went on honeymoon to Corfu. But you, you like your outdoor sport as well, don't you? I do, yes. So what kind of things do you do? Skiing. Yeah. Cycling. And other things. Right. (laughs) Great. Okay, well, over to Robin. Let's welcome him. I don't don't know how you follow that, but uh, this is different. We're looking at Colossians, uh, just verses 1 to 2. And the question is, who are you? Who are we? So uh, the verse here, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Coloss. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. This is the beginning of Paul's letter to the church at Coloss, and the first two verses are a basic introduction. Who's it from and who's it to? And just a few minutes, I want to try and look at these, see who Paul is, see who those in the church are, and then have a look at ourselves. Who are we? So first off, 
Paul describes himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. The Greek word apostolos is one who is sent out, and I'm not going to get bogged down in meanings here, uh, but let's just say that Paul saw his identity in being with and telling people about Jesus. That's who he was. That's who he saw himself. That was his aim in life. The interesting thing, though, is that this identity was not the one he chose. It was what God chose. Saul, as he was first known, set out of his own will to be recognized and respected as an outstanding Jew. That was what he wanted. He learned all his scriptures. He kept all the laws legally. And he, and, uh, uh, he was there when the Christians came along and he opposed them because it opposed his aim in life. He was there approving of the stoning of Stephen. He was there setting out to destroy the church. He issued murderous threats against the church and he was seeking to fulfill all those threats when he was on the road to Damascus. And it was on the road to Damascus where he met with Jesus. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who, are you, who you are persecuting, Jesus replies. So Saul was blinded by the light from heaven. He was led into Damascus where he fasted for three days. Three days he had time to get down on his knees and pray, confess all that he was doing was wrong uh, and turn his life around uh, in front of and with Jesus. Now God sent Ananias to him and now Ananias understandably was concerned. He was going to see this guy that was coming into town to persecute the church. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Then Ananias prayed for Saul. He was given his sight back. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and Paul went straight out and started preaching. That was his new purpose, got right on it. A messenger of Jesus by the will of God. So that was Paul. Uh, the letter was also from the brother Timothy. I'll come back to that later. Who is the letter to? Now, the letter is not to the people at the church in Coloss, but to the holy, holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Coloss. Now, we're all different. Looking around, we're all different. We all have our issues. We all have our weaknesses, things that we struggle with, uh, just like the church at Coloss. If you read the letter, then we know that. Uh, and I dare say it, that we wouldn't really see ourselves as holy, really. But that's how God sees us, holy and faithful. Look around, holy and faithful brothers in Christ. That's really good. In fact, that's fantastic. But there's a proviso in here, and you can't miss it. It's holy and faithful brothers in Christ. What does that mean? Just being in the church doesn't make you holy just being here does not make you holy just knowing about Jesus doesn't make you holy being in Christ 
is to have a relationship with him. Do you know him? Now, I know about the Queen. I respect her, know quite a bit about her. But I've never met her, and she certainly doesn't know me. I don't have a relationship with the Queen. In Christ means coming into a relationship with him. And not just a relationship, it's really intimate. It's an intimate relationship. In Ephesians 5, the relationship between Christ and the church is compared to marriage. Now that's really intimate. Paul, as we just saw, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God in us. That's really, really intimate. So much so that when Saul was persecuting the church, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's that close. He's that intimate. We need to have that personal encounter with Jesus, that personal relationship. Revelations 3 verse 20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's relational, sitting down and eating over a meal together. Just another thing here, Paul describes Timothy and those in the church at Coloss as brothers. Now brothers is a term, obviously is relational, it's a lasting relationship, but it's also inclusive uh, in the New Testament. So Galatians 3 verse 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. So brothers is inclusive. But there's a reason Paul puts brother in here, and that's because certainly in, in his time, the inheritance of a family went down through the the sons, father to son. So we're talking about inheritance here. Paul is pointing out that we all qualify in an inheritance in Christ. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Now that's not just sometime in the future when we die or whatever. But Colossians 1 verse 22 says, but now, this is now, right now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. There it is, holy and faithful brothers in Christ, without blemish and free from accusation. So what does this mean to us? Where do we find our identity? Who are we? Well, when I was younger, my identity was partly uh, attached to my sporting activities. It was what I was known for, recognized for. Winning or doing well in sporting events gave me the kudos I desired. It was part of who I was. And when suddenly I found myself with a chronic knee injury that left me unable to walk, uh, and I didn't know whether I'd ever be able to take part in sport again, where was my identity then? Who was I? As some of you know, I was previously married. Uh, I had a family, and when that broke apart, all I had worked for for all those years was just taken away, as it seemed. Where was my identity then? Just after Joe and I were married, I was made redundant. 
Now, that had happened to me before, but I'd always been able to find work quickly. But now I'm a certain age. It took me six months. Who am I? What, where is my identity? So, fortunately for me, my identity is in Christ. I'm a Christian. My identity is secure. I know who I am. That is my purpose. But for you, it could be one of these other things. Perhaps like Saul, you're pursuing something else. It could be wealth, possessions, home. It could be, it could be that your appearance is the most important thing to you. It's your identity about how beautiful you are or how fit you are. Is it your sexuality? We live in Oxford. Is it your intellect? Is it your standing in society? Your social media profile? The number of hits you get? Is it your family, your loved ones, wife, husband, children? What is your real identity? Where are you fixing your life? As I said, for me, when when the things I mentioned were stripped away, there was a degree in hurt and adjusting, but my trust is in Christ. If we base our identity in anything else, all of them will one day fail. Our relationships will one day fail us, whether by rejection or death. Um, our fitness and bodies, they will one day fail of us. Some, some of us know that better than others. Whether um, our jobs, our money, our homes, our cars, our intellect will all one day fail. Even the ground under our feet will one day pass away. We need to follow Paul's example. We need to meet with Jesus, confess our errors, turn away from the old things that we were fixed to, and be filled with the Holy Spirit and then live with a new purpose, an intimate relationship with Jesus. Do you know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His faithfulness endures forever. Or Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. Many of the, uh, the woes are of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts him. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Anything else, anything else we base our life on will fail. The Lord is the one thing. Being in Christ is the one thing that's important, an intimate relationship with God that lasts forever. Paul's identity was as a messenger with and for Christ. The church at Coloss had their eternal identity in Christ we can all have that same relationship and identity today, right now. Grace and peace to you from God the Father, as that verse concludes. Thanks, Robin. Well done. Um, you may have noticed over the last um, couple of months we've been talking about our identity and um, one of the books I've just read is called The Cure. What if God isn't who you think he is and neither are you? And uh, the first half of the book is some lovely teaching and illustration. Second half is more of a workbook. Anybody like this? There you go. <laughs> Quick off the mark. Uh, we'll, we'll carry on looking at this because I think uh, it's a trend not just for our church, but I think 
much broader than our church as well. So uh, let's stand together, shall we? For those of you here, here for the first time, we like to finish off just by receiving from God again. And uh, sometimes there are things that God has been stirring during the meeting, things that maybe have come up through the talk, during the worship, maybe just conversation, maybe you just feel something stirring, something prompting in you. And uh, that's, that's what we want to pick up on and we want to respond to God. So um, you may find it helpful just to close your eyes or even just to put your hands out in front of you as if you were receiving a gift from God because that's what he wants to give to each one of us. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now. We ask again that you would come and fill us and that you would do in us what you want to do. That what we've heard this morning wouldn't just be good information, but that you would transform us. So, Holy Spirit, come. Some of the things that I think God wants to do now, he, he wants to lift burdens off people. He wants to take the burden for you. There's also some physical healing to come as well. And other kinds of healing. God's not just limited to that. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. We ask for more. We ask for as much as each one of us is able to take. When we're where we're feeling broken, we ask for your healing to come. Where we've been living in darkness or in shadows, we ask that your light would shine. Where we've been believing lies about ourselves, or about you, we ask that you'd dismantle those and that you'd reveal the truth to us. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Now some of you are receiving from God. I can see that. I can see it from the expressions on your faces you're engaged with God the Holy Spirit's all over you just keep keep engaging keep asking him for more for others of you uh, if you're in a connection group in this church then your ministry team and if you're not particularly sensing God doing anything this morning for you then now is the time to just start looking around seeing what God's doing for other people and just go and bless what he's doing and just ask him for more. And as you do that, you may get words of knowledge or prophecies uh, for the people that you're ministering to. So if you're engaged with God, that's wonderful. Just keep engaged with him. But if there's nothing in particular happening and you're in a connection group, then now's the time to start moving around So Holy Spirit, we ask you for more. More of your presence, more of your power, 
more of your love, more of your healing. Come, Holy Spirit. If you've got uh, physical pain or limited mobility uh, and you'd like someone to pray for you, just stick up a hand and we'll get some folk to come and pray for you. So physical pain or limited mobility, if you'd like prayer, anybody? Yeah, could we have a lady come and pray over here, please? Okay, we've got one. We can always have more than one praying. That's fine, so feel free to join in. A word for somebody who feels like they're on the outside, God wants to, to heal you and release you. Okay, we need another lady to come and pray for Helen down here, please. That's wonderful. Yeah, come and, come and join as well. If you're new and this is all a bit weird to you, then feel free to watch what's going on. Feel free to um, uh, join in with a group and just watch. And then afterwards you can ask them what was happening and why they prayed the way they prayed, that kind of thing. Just going to put some music on, uh, not to try and change the atmosphere, but just to give you a bit of privacy. Although we know that when there's worship, that uh, the Holy Spirit comes more.